Welcome to Naptime Sports Talk Podcast. We are two dads talking sports during nap times. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode. Welcome back to Naptime Sports Talk Podcast. For episode five, we'll start with the latest news on the Minnesota Wild, Minnesota Timberwolves, and Minnesota Twins. We will then dive into the NFL Scouting Combine and share three players who may light up the Combine and see their stock rise. We will then each share our top five NFL draft quarterback prospects. To wrap up the show, we'll discuss our thoughts on the long-awaited NCAA football video game, which is set to release in July. Enjoy the show. So, Zach, uh, anything you'd like to say before we just jump into the Minnesota sports recap? No, let's jump right in. I think I just want to say thanks. I mean, we're already on episode five here, so... I mean, we're cooking now, and this has been a lot of fun. But, yeah, let's just jump right into uh, the Minnesota recap. All right, yeah, sounds good. So starting off, uh, the Minnesota Wild. So over the past seven games, the Wild have managed to pick up 11 total points in the standings. They're 5-1-1 one, and one since All-Star break, and as of, as of now are sitting two points back from the second wildcard spot, which is being held currently by the St. Louis Blues. So they're getting hot at the right time, and they're in a good spot for a playoff push with 26 games left on the season. Uh, The trade deadline is coming up on March 8th, so we'll see what they do. I don't expect them to be very active at the deadline, but you just never know with Billy G. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I just kind of want to jump into, uh, you know, the other night on President's Day, the Wild had a huge game. Uh, They played the – or actually, let me go back. They lost Tuesday night versus the Winnipeg Jets 6-3, but I wanted to touch base on the President's game. So the Wild played the Vancouver Canucks, who are currently ranked number one in the NHL Mm -hmm. points-wise. Vancouver is also considered one of the better defensive teams in the NHL. And in that game, the Wild managed to score 10 goals, two of them being empty netters. That was goal nine and uh, goal number 10. And they ended up winning the game 10-7. So during the game, the Wild were down 5-2 to two late in the second period, and Matt Zuccarello scored a late uh, a late goal with less than about a minute left in the second period. And then at the start of the third, the Wild managed to score a total of five goals. So they scored about roughly six goals in six minutes or so from late in the second to early in the third period. And I've never seen anything like that before. It's just goal after goal after goal after goal. Um, and the game ended up being the highest scoring game in wild history. So it was a very exciting game, a lot of good offense. And like I said before. It's a football score. Yeah, exactly. 10-7. You know, you, you look at that and uh, they scored more <laughs> games. They had more points than the Raiders and Vikings game, which was at Jeez. three this season. So uh, just put that in a little nice. perspective. But. Bad night for the goalies. Yeah, no kidding. But in that game, uh, Erickson Eck and Kaprizov both ended up with hat tricks and six points each. So, you know, they're they're starting to cook a little bit right now, and they're making a good push for the playoffs. So they could see some guys coming here too. Uh, Top prospect, uh, uh, Marat Kuzdovin. He's a a draft pick in 2020, 37th overall. And he may be signing here after his – season is done in the KHL so he might be coming up here in uh, sometime in March so look, getting excited or I'm looking forward to that and getting excited for him nice that's awesome 
Yeah, so Zach, what's going on with the Minnesota Timberwolves? All right, so the Timberwolves, we just had the all-star break um, this past weekend. The uh, East beat the West 211 to 186. It's the highest scoring um, all-star game in NBA history. Towns led all players with 58 points and eight boards. Wow. But unfortunately, the West lost, so Damian Lillard won MVP. And Lillard also won the three-point contest this past weekend. Uh, Mac McClung won the dunk contest, and I watched it, and man, honestly, that was a tough watch. The judges were absolutely brutal. Um, God, it was just tough to watch. Even the, even the All-Star game in itself was just, just, just overall very tough watch. I don't know what they're going to do. I know this year they went back to the East versus West format instead of having like the two uh, uh, player captains. And I don't know what they're going to do, but they're going to have to figure something out. But uh, since then, uh, Mike Conley um, agreed to a two-year extension with the Timberwolves. He's 36 years old, but they got him for two years, 22 mil, which I think is a is an overall pretty team-friendly deal. And ever since they got Mike Conley, you know, I mean, Rudy Gobert has really taken his game to an entirely different level. So, and that's, you know, the main reason why the Wolves have the second best record in the NBA and the first best record in the West you know, they have a game-and-a-half lead over the Thunder going into the second half of the season. So right now the Timberwolves are sitting super, super nice. And another thing that's, uh, you know, playing in their favor is uh, starting this upcoming weekend, they have uh, back-to-back home games against the Bucks and Nets. But they actually have a seven-game home stretch to uh, start the second half of the season. And I believe they have the second easiest schedule the rest of the way out. So... I mean, if the Timberwolves can can keep their uh, uh, you know foot on the pedal, I don't see how they're not the number one or number two seed in the West when it's all said and done. So, uh, big year for the Wolves, and I really hope that this is the year they can at least win uh, win a playoff series. You know, it's been uh, 20 years, so it's it's a good year to be a Wolves fan. Yeah, hopefully they, like you said, hopefully they make a good playoff run here because the Wolves fans have been waiting for a long time and. Seems like they have the guns to do it this year, so looking forward to the playoffs coming up. Oh, exactly, for sure. But uh, how about the the Twins? I know spring training is uh, all the players have reported and stuff, but what's new on the, the Twins side? Yeah, so nothing too much other than just, you know, like you said, spring training started. Uh, they actually start here this weekend on Friday. They play the Gophers, the Minnesota Gophers, which is kind of interesting. They kind of do that every year. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm not sure if. You know, like the top guys are going to be playing in that, but I would imagine some of their prospects that they invited to camp would be playing versus the Gophers. And then the next day on Saturday, they actually start playing versus the Pittsburgh Pirates. So I would expect some guys to get some time during that. And then, uh, yeah, just exciting times around the Twins, seeing if they can continue to build off last year. And one report out of camp so far is that Buxton has been flying around in practice. So I'm really hoping Good. that he can stay healthy this year and get back to form. Um, and then Chris Paddock also, you know, Kim coming off Tommy John injury or surgery last yep. season. He really had a great postseason coming out of the bullpen. So I know the, sure. the Twins are kind of looking forward for him to be back in that starting mix, and they're kind of banking on that too. You know, I'm kind of wondering if they'll still maybe make some type of move to bring in another position player or a pitcher. Because last year around this time, I think they brought in Donovan Solano, and 
he really helped us out last year. So, yeah, I'm kind of thinking or wondering if they'll bring another guy. You know, I had heard reports, too, that Michael Taylor, who is still available and was on our team last year, um, they might be looking to bring him back. So that I would like that. I think that would add insurance to the center field position. He's a great defensive player. And last year's bat was pretty impressive, too. Um, you know, he only hit, sure. he only hit 220 average, but he had 21 homers and 51 RBIs. So he really came in and kind of surprised a lot of people with, with his hot bat. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm really surprised that, you know, baseball is right around the corner and we got guys like Blake Snell and uh, Cody Bellinger, uh, J.D. Martinez, just to name a couple guys off the top of my head that are still free agents. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of weird how MLB free agency works. So, uh, yeah, I could definitely see the Twins, you know, bringing in another arm. Yeah, I wonder where uh, I wonder where Blake Snell is going to land. And he would be an awesome guy to add to that rotation. I don't know if we have the dollar amount to do it, but he would be uh, – He'd be a really nice pick. Do you think there's any chance he ends up with the Padres? You know, you're a big Padre fan. Yeah, I don't think so. You know, I, j- I just think that they kind of overspent the last couple years. Okay. So, obviously, they'll let guys like Josh Hader go and Blake Snell and traded Soto away, too. Yeah. The, the last thing that I kind of saw on, on Blake Snell was uh, the Yankees were still pretty interested in him. So, if I had to guess, he'll probably end up in the pinstripes. I mean, I hope that I'm wrong because – you know, they just got guys, like I said, Soto and whatnot. So I wouldn't like to see that, but I could definitely, you know, within the next couple of days, maybe before this podcast even drops, you know, Blake Snell yeah. being a New York Yankee. Yeah, you know what I saw? Man, if they could add him to that Yankees rotation with having Soto they added and, you know, you have Judge in the corner and Stanton. I don't know if you've seen this lately, but look him up. He's lost a ton of weight, looks like. Just a total different person, probably the best shape that he's been in. So if he can produce and stay healthy this year, watch out for the Yankees because they're going to be pretty tough to beat. Yeah, for sure. I really like their team. I mean, they even went on and got guys like Alex Verdugo, which, you know, from the Red Sox, who I really like. Mm-hmm. They went on and got Marcus Stroman, who struggled a little bit last year, but obviously, you know, he has the potential to, to be one of those top guys. So on paper, the Yankees look like uh, just a powerhouse. So... Hopefully they don't uh, play as good as a lot of people think they will, but, I mean, it's going to be hard not to see the Yankees going deep in the playoffs this year. Yeah, for sure. If I had an early prediction, I think it might be the Yankees in the AL and then, uh, I hate to say it, Zach, but the Dodgers in the NL just because they made. So we could have a whole other podcast about the Otani signing and how ridiculous that is for baseball. But, yeah, yeah, we'll save that for another time. Yeah, dude, for sure. But I agree with you. On paper, it looks like Yankees and Dodgers. You know, hopefully that's not going to be the case, but it's tough to argue against that for sure. Yeah, definitely. All right, so, yeah, I don't know um, if you want to start this one next topic off, you want me to start off. Maybe we can just alternate, like you say a guy, I say a guy, and then yeah, let's, let's do, that. do that. Let's, let's so, go back and forth. Yeah, yeah. So three players, we're going to go on the next topic, uh, three players who could light up the combine. And just before I start, the combine starts here um, on February 25th and ends on March 4th. So we'll see on-field workouts at different times for different positions. On Thursday, February 29th, we'll see the defensive line and linebackers. That also includes, you know, edge rushers, things like that. And then on Friday, March 1st, we'll see the DBs and tight ends have their on-field workouts. 
And my favorite time to watch is going to be on Saturday, March 2nd, or March 2nd, and that's when the running backs, quarterbacks, and wide receivers all go. And then after that, March 3rd on Sunday, finishing up the combine, you'll have the offensive line, and then specialists do their on-field workouts. So that includes punters, kickers, and long snappers. Yeah, I can't wait for that, man. Like, off-season's full swing ahead now, and with all the NFL draft stuff coming up, I mean, this is my favorite. Yeah, time same here. You know, sure. you can we can really dive deep into a lot of the prospects, and you just you know you just never know at the draft who's gonna rise up, and you just see their stock shoot up over this over these next few months. So, well, yeah, just kind of leading yeah, into that, I guess here's our three players who we think that could you know light up the combine and see their stock rise heading into April. So. Yeah, Zach, why don't you yep. go? Who is your first player? All right, so the number one player that came across my mind was Chop Robinson, pass rusher from Penn State. I just think in this draft class, there isn't a clear-cut number one uh, pass rusher. Obviously, you have a guy like Leitu from UCLA. You got Jared Verse from Florida State. You have uh, Dallas Turner mm-hmm. from Alabama. But I think Chop Robinson is more athletic than all of those guys. And I think come combine time, he's absolutely going to light it up. And I think his draft stock is going to freaking skyrocket. I mean, if I had to guess, I think he's a mid 4-4 guy. Um, I saw a video of him benching 400 pounds. Jeez. So he's just an athletic freak. And yeah, he I mean, his his production numbers really mm-hmm. aren't there. He's had uh, nine and a half sacks in the last yeah. two years, which uh, obviously isn't anything to really brag about. But I just, I don't want to compare him to this guy. But obviously, you know, Mar- Micah Parsons played at Penn State and just the athleticism. I'm not talking about the player to player, just strictly athleticism. I mean, Chop Robinson just looks the part. And I think that when it's all said and done, I would not be surprised if he's a okay. top 15 pick. Yeah, because right now he's probably more considered a late first, early second, maybe mid second, I would say. Early second. Know? So, yep, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah, that'd be. That's a heck of a guy to watch out for him. You know, just going back to how you said you didn't have that many sacks in college, I kind of think of a guy like Daniil Hunter coming out of college. He obviously went in round three, I believe, and he very, he had very little sacks, but they took a chance on his, you know, athleticism and his kind of physical build, and he really kind of developed over time. So Chop Robinson could definitely be a guy that kind of fits that similar or similar mold. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he has the the fastest uh, first step in out of this entire okay. draft. So, I mean, obviously he's a little more raw. He's he's definitely a project, but if the right team can get their hands on him and coach him up and, you know, add some more uh, pass rushing tools to his uh, arsenal, I think he's going to be an absolute force at the next level. Yeah, so I guess my uh, yeah. my guy, you know, when I was doing this, I was kind of thinking of guys that aren't really considered in that, like, echelon of maybe making it to the first round so I kind of looked at guys that could maybe move up a couple rounds from maybe like the third to second or fourth to third things like that yeah, I like that. so but my number one guy I'm yeah, like keeping that. an eye on at the combine is Bucky Irving running back from Oregon um you know he's 5'10 195 pounds this past season he rushed for 1,180 yards and his rushing average or rushing yard average was 6.3 he scored 13 total touchdowns, 11 were rushing, and two were passing. He's definitely a dual threat back who can catch out of the backfield as well. This past season, he had 56 receptions and 413 receiving yards. So he has that, you know, he has that uh, dual threat ability, and 
you know, you kind of watch him on tape, and he's definitely a, a good uh, playmaker, too, and can kind of go for six at any point in a game. I think he would maybe run in the low 4-4 uh, four, four range, um, but I think teams are going to really love to watch how he kind of moves on the field and his on-field workouts, and they're just kind of going to fall in love with that cast-catching ability and overall just explosiveness as well. So um, you know, at the end of the day, I think he'll maybe move up and go anywhere day two, maybe in the third round as of now. But, he, yeah, I think we could see his stock rise as the draft comes. Yeah, for sure, and I like him a lot too. He's a guy that, uh, I mean, he started his career, he actually committed to the Gophers. Yep. I mean, he, his freshman year was in Minnesota, which was really cool. Then it ended up transferring mm-hmm. to Oregon. But that's another thing with this, uh, this draft class. There isn't a clear-cut number one running back. So it's like, do you want the big power back, like a Braylon Allen? Do you want, you know, kind of like an over, like a do-it-all guy, like a Jonathan uh, uh, Brooks from Texas, or uh, or a Bucky Irving too? I mean, it's going to be really uh, interesting to see how this running back class kind of plays out. And he was a he he did well his freshman year at the Gophers too, so he's been pretty consistent throughout his whole college career. Yeah, for sure, he's got a six point two career rushing average. So I mean, he's he's yeah, he's yeah, pretty legit. Sure. All right, well, who is your uh, number two guy? So my number two guy is another guy that's uh, right now, you know, borderline first round, uh, right now probably early second round guy, um, if I had to guess, but Xavier Leggett. I kind of talked to him a little bit in the uh, previous podcast, but I'm just a big, big fan of his game. This is another just he's going to be a combine freak. You know, he's 6'3", 230 pounds. He rem- he's almost identical to DK Metcalf. Just the build, the size. Uh, he's got the same exact frame as him. Now, DK was a second-round pick. But I think Xavier Leggett in this uh, wide receiver class can slip you know, himself into that first round. So last year with uh, Spencer, Spencer Rattler as his uh, quarterback, he put up uh, 1,200 yards, seven touchdowns. So nothing too crazy. But I've been hearing reports that you know Xavier Leggett could run a 4-2 which would be crazy at you know with him being 6'3", 230 yeah, pounds. Definitely have to keep an eye out for that, and I'll definitely be tuning in, tuning in when he is running, that's for sure. Yeah, I cannot wait to see him run and just work out. I mean, he's going to be a guy that can really hurt or uh, help his, you know, his case come combine time. Yeah, it's a solid player and, you know, just a guy that everyone should really watch out for because I think you're right. He could move, at, move himself up into the maybe – late first round um maybe in the early 20s too depending on how he really does during this draft season oh dude for sure for sure all right well yeah kind of moving on to my second player so my second player is brendan rice out of usc so he is you know that last name might sound familiar and he's actually the son of one of the best wide receiver wide receivers of all time and that is jerry rice so Brendan is 6'2", 212 pounds, so he's a pretty, you know, he's a bigger re- receiver. Um, this past year he had a pretty nice statistically statistical year and ended the season with 45 receptions, uh, 79 or 791 yards and 12 touchdowns. So he's definitely a good or a good player in that red zone. And most impressively, his average yards per catch was at 17.6 this past season. You know, I know in college that stat may be a little higher in comparison to the NFL, but still, that's an impressive mark. Um, so, yeah, Brendan Rice, he has great length as a wide receiver, and 
one thing that I've noticed just watching him is he can just kind of out-dog guys on those 50-50 balls. You know, he's a pretty natural hands catcher as well, and he likes to high point the football. So, you know, that's something that not saying he's going to live up to this type of player, but Justin Jefferson is a player who comes in mind who also likes to high point that ball. So he has that similar trait. Yeah, for sure. And the thing that was crazy about him is obviously I try to watch as many Caleb Williams games mm -hmm. as I possibly could, you know, this past year or two. And every single game, uh, Rice just stood out. He was definitely their best wide receiver that they had. And, you know, if you put him in the right system, I think he's going to be an absolute dog at the next level. Him and Zachariah Branch at U USC were both so much fun to yeah, watch with Caleb sure. Williams. You know, I think one concern that he might have is just kind of being consistent when playing through contact on contested routes. I've seen him sometimes kind of get bounced off his route a little bit. Sure. Overall, yeah. he's an athlete. You know, he's 6'2", like I said, and he's probably going to run in the 4'3 range, I would imagine. You know, he might run, I think, high 4'3", low 4'4". So we'll see what he does at the combine, but I think this is a guy that could maybe end up somewhere in, you know, late second round, early third round, or somewhere in the third round and, uh, and really end up being a steal team yeah I think a team's gonna fall in love with him and obviously you know when your dad's Jerry Rice you're obviously a, just a route technician and that's exactly what he was you know or what he is he, he kind of displayed that at mm -hmm, the senior sure. bowl so I mean wh whoever whoever ends up taking him is, is gonna get an absolute dog so moving on number three on my list so in this draft class there isn't a, a clear-cut number one middle linebacker you got guys like Jeremiah Trotter Jr., which I loved his dad in the NFL, so it's really cool that his son will be playing at the next level. You got a guy like uh, Javon Solomon from Troy, uh, Peyton Will Wilson from uh, NC State. But my favorite linebacker in this entire draft, and I think could be a, a day two, or, should, you know, I think he should be a second-round second, second round pick, is Edgerin Cooper, linebacker out of okay. Texas A&M. Very athletic, sideline-to-sideline side linebacker. You know, exactly the kind of linebacker that fits today's NFL. Um, if I had to guess 40-wise, he's probably going to be a mid-4-4 guy, which is plenty fast at the next level, especially at linebacker. Last year, he had 17 uh, TFLs eight sacks and 84 total tackles. So he really put up the numbers too. First team all yeah. AC, um, SC or SCC. And then uh, he's 6'3", 235 pounds. So he's, you know, he's got a good frame too to play linebacker in, at the next level. So his game kind of honestly reminds me of Patrick Queen, who I talked about in previous podcasts too, who I really like. So I think he'll be the number one linebacker taken off the board. And I expect his name to be called somewhere, uh, Mid mid second round to to late second round. I think he's gonna be a second round pick. Okay, yeah, I'll have to check him out. Um, I don't know too much about that player, but I'm. He sounds very enticing, very exciting. Do you think you know? Would you pretty pretty happy with that pick if the Raiders took him? Yeah, for sure, especially in the second round. I mean, obviously the Raiders would have an earlier second round pick, so it might be a little early. You know, they got a guy like Robert Spillane who. Uh, who's a very good middle linebacker. The Raiders have, you know, struggled in years past finding that middle mm -hmm. linebacker position. But with Robert Spillane, they kind of they kind of found that. But the thing with Patrick Graham, our defensive coordinator, is he likes to run some 4-3 fronts, but then he likes to run a lot of 3-4 fronts right. too. So obviously in the 3-4, you got, you got more linebackers on the field. So, yeah, I would definitely be happy with a guy like Edger and Cooper um, in the second round. 
And another guy that I would really like if we brought in free agency-wise is Patrick McQueen, who I kind of compare these two mm-hmm. players with. So I do think middle linebacker is a need for us. I, I do think we need a guy next to Robert Spillane, so a pick in the second round um, would be nice. I'd be happy with that. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, we'll see if Patrick Queen ends up, you know, going in the free agency, which he probably is most likely going to do. And I think he would be a really good fit, as we talked about in previous episodes. Uh, he was on your list there. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, like yeah moving on. So, my third player, um, you know, people might not have heard of this guy that – or have heard of this guy before, but if you haven't, make sure you check him out because, man, he is impressive. And that is Jalen Wright running back out of the University of Tennessee. So, he is 5'11", 210. This past season, he had 137 carries for 1,013 rushing yards and four touchdowns. So the touchdown production wasn't there, but his yards per carry was 7.4. Yeah, and you go insane. watch him, man, and he is explosive. He definitely could end up being like a work workhorse-type back. He's a very, very physical runner, and he also has that breakaway speed in open field. So I've seen him, you know, one cut, go through a hole, have that patience, and then take off for six, man. So... He's a guy to go check out, and you know he made Bruce Feldman's freak list and was ranked at 24. So Bruce Feldman always has that list that comes out, and he's usually pretty right on about these guys. So I think he'll probably run in the 4-3 range at the Combine. So he's got that burst, and he's got that speed. Right now, he's more projected as a day three guy, but I think he could maybe see his stock rise up to, to day two and I would love if the Vikings could find a way to add him to the roster. I obviously right now we don't have a third round pick, but man, if he would to go in that fourth round, that's a guy that I would take no matter what. And one thing I think the team or teams are going to love about him is he's probably the best pass blocking halfback in this draft as well. Yeah, that would be huge for the Vikings. Like you said, they need, they have to find the running back one this offseason, either, you know, paying a guy, you know, it's a good free agency class for running backs or going out and drafting a guy. And drafting a guy like this would be huge. I think he's the fastest running back in in this entire draft class. Definitely the most explosiveness, one cut and take it to the house. And I saw something that, you know, he might run a 4-2. So, a four I mean, two. if he runs a 4-2, yeah, if he runs a 4-2, like some people are saying, I mean, his draft yeah. stock is going to skyrocket. So that's a great that's a great pick. Yeah, you know what I I think he's gonna run that low four three, but man, you never know if these guys when they put in that work in the after college and or after the college season and they can kinda make that or make those uh numbers go up just based on the work they put into it. Yeah, he's gonna be ex- definitely an exciting player to watch during the combine for sure. Yeah, so moving on, um that wraps up our, our three players. My three were again uh, Bucky Irving, running back out of Oregon, Brendan Rice, wide receiver out of USC, and Jalen Wright, halfback out of University of Tennessee. Yep, and mine were Chop Robinson, defensive end out of Penn State, Xavier Leggett, wide receiver out of South Carolina, and Edgerin Cooper, linebacker out of Texas A&M. So make sure to keep an eye on those six players because I, I think all six are going to light up the combine. Well, yeah, moving on now. So, Zach, uh, we have – now we're going to rank our top five quarterbacks from this draft. So – um, maybe we can just, I'll go, you go, just do that kind of thing again. Yeah, let's do that, because I think it'll be, it'll be pretty pretty similar. Yeah, I think so, too. I, you know, we, we'll probably have maybe one guy different, 
on yeah. this list. Yep. But I think the top four, top five, or not top five, but top top three will be the same in some type of order. So, yep, absolutely. So who who's your number one? Yeah, you know my number one is Caleb Williams out of USC. He just he has the best arm talent in this draft. He's probably the higher, the most kind of hyped prospect or quarterback prospect. I would say maybe since Trevor Lawrence. So, yeah. you know, I think uh, it's it would be hard not to rank him number one over the other guys, even though I think some of those other guys may be a little close, but I feel he's still a mile ahead of them. Yeah, I totally agree with that too. I mean, obviously this is kind of bold, but I th- Caleb Williams is the best college quarterback that I've ever seen. I thought, yeah. you know, watching Andrew Luck at Stanford, I thought no one's ever going to, in my book, you know, pass – Andrew Luck, you know, guys like Trevor Lawrence and stuff, and those guys didn't pass Andrew Luck, but Caleb Williams did. I mean, in my opinion, he's just a faster Mahomes. He looks just like Patrick Mahomes on the field. They're like the same size. Like I said, uh, you know, Caleb is a little faster, but the arm strength is similar. The uh, the way that they – just the accuracy outside of the pocket are, are almost spot on. So, I mean, I just – if you're the Bears – you have to stay put at one, and you have to take him because he's the best quarterback we've seen in a long time. Yeah, for sure, and they'd be pretty crazy, actually, not to pick him at number one. Oh, for sure, definitely. Still only 22 years old, one of the younger quarterbacks in the draft. Um, the last two seasons, 72 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and this year he completed he completed 68% of his passes, and that's pretty impressive because he's one of the quarterbacks that really likes to push the ball down the field, so... He's very impressive. Yeah, definitely. Um, who is your – you can go on this one. Who is your number two guy? So my number two, we might have a, a different number two here, but my number two is Jaden Daniels, yeah. quarterback from LSU. Um, I've seen a lot of comparisons to Lamar Jackson, and the more I really thought about it, he compared – he reminds me of Randall Cunningham. Okay. So, you know, Randall Cunningham came out and said that he ran a four two nine on a rubber track, which – I don't know if he actually did. When I, you know, just watching Cunningham, he looks more like a four-four guy. Yeah. But Jaden's gonna be faster than that. I think Jaden, maybe he's four, you know, low four fours, but I think he's gonna be four three when it's all said and done. But he's a fluid thrower like Cunningham was. Obviously, mm-hmm. won the Heisman this past year, and in my opinion, the the most impressive stats more than on the all the yardage that he threw and all the rushing yards that he had. Um, with with passes that traveled over 20 yards, he was mm-hmm. he had 22 touchdowns and zero inter- interceptions this past season. So he's another guy that likes to push the ball push the ball down the field. Obviously, he had receivers like Brian Thomas Jr., who's an absolute stud. He's going to be a first round pick, and then Malik Neighbors too, who's probably going to be a top five pick. So yes, he did have weapons, but Jaden Daniels looks the part, and he reminds me a lot of Randall Cunningham. Yeah, and you know, I didn't. I knew he had a really good year rushing, but I went back mm-hmm. and just looked at his stats for rushing, and he rushed over a thousand yards. Which I don't even know who's the last quarterback in college who's thrown for that money or for that many yards and rushed for that many yards. So he's definitely probably the best dual threat quarterback, maybe since Lamar Jackson. And even Lamar Jackson wasn't considered this high of a thrower when he came out because people are saying you know you should just stick to running back and things like that so he's definitely i would say a higher prospect at yeah. this point of his career than lamar jackson was and that's pretty scary because we can see how he developed 
Yeah, for sure. I remember a lot of teams um, during the combine and stuff actually wanted Lamar Jackson to move to receiver, and he kind of stuck to his guns and stayed at quarterback. And obviously, that's you know it, it worked out really well for him. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Jaden Daniels. I mean, he's definitely going to be a top five pick. I don't see how he's not. And yeah, he had ten rushing touchdowns and threw another what forty on in the air. So I mean, his seasons, you know, was just stat wise was unbelievable. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, he's he's actually my number three guy. So my number two guys, I'm guessing, going to be your number three, and that yep. is Drake May. So yep. Drake May out of North Carolina. Um, you know, he's definitely that prototype NFL quarterback, being six four, two thirty. He has a strong arm and pretty good athletic. I would say he has good athleticism for his size too. One of his better traits, I think, he has is doing a nice job of maintaining accuracy when having when being pressured. So I like that yeah. out of quarterback. Um, and he also has that mobility to move around in the pocket and pick up yardage with his legs too. So he's my number guy or number two guy. And number three is Jaden Daniels for Lou. Yeah, and I think a lot of teams, just like you and I, are going to go back and forth with that. I mean, both of these guys, obviously Caleb's the clear-cut number one, but these two and three, I think a lot of teams are going to be flopping back and forth because, I mean – Drake made to me is Josh Allen. I know a lot of people said he's Justin Herbert, you know, but to me, he reminds me a lot of Josh Allen, you know, similar size. He's athletic. Like you said, um, out of these top five quarterbacks that we're going to list, he probably had the least amount of weapons. So the, the stats that he put up at North Carolina were actually pretty impressive for not having, you know, like a, a receiver that's probably going to, you know, not be taken in the first three rounds. Yeah. No, so he had that. He's, Tez Walker, he'll probably be more of a two uh, round two guy. Yeah, yeah, Tez. Yep, yep, that's true. But yeah, I mean, he still threw 3,600 yards, 24 touchdowns, nine interceptions. So nothing crazy, but just watching him, I mean, you can just see that he has all the traits to be a, a franchise quarterback. Yeah, for sure. And whoever takes him, I, you know, I think he's going to be a really solid player. So we'll see if any yeah, team moves so up to that number three position too to draft one of those guys. If the Patriots do, in fact, go a veteran quarterback route um, and trade back to stockpile some picks, so we'll see some maybe some movement here before the draft or at the draft for one of those two players. Yeah, for sure. And Drake May is only twenty-one years old, so I mean, he is so young. I mean, a lot of these quarterbacks like Penix and. Uh, uh, Bo Nix and I mean even Jane Daniels I think is 22 or 23 I think he might be 23 I think he's going to be turning so, 20 yeah he's going to be turning 24 in uh, this coming December so he'll have sure. pretty yep. much his yep. whole season at 23 but yeah but just getting a guy like Drake May at 21 years old I mean that's crazy him and JJ are the two youngest you know top quarterbacks in the draft so mm -hmm. that's huge drafting the guy with that's that's that young for sure so who is your number four guy so we might be a little different on here too. Okay. My number four is actually Penix. Okay. Michael Penix from Washington. Yep. He's a little older. He's 23 years old. I think he might be 24 when the season starts. But uh, I did talk, you know, I kind of compared him a little bit to Phillip Rivers, and that's going to be my comparison all the way through. I mean, he just reminds me so much of Phillip Rivers, the left-handed Phillip Rivers. He uh, Just the way he moves, his, his throwing motions, the accuracy, it, it just reminds me so much of Phillip. And, you know, stat-wise, he had the best season out of pretty much all the quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. I, I Obviously not Gene because he won the Heisman. But besides him, I mean, he threw for almost 5,000 yards, 36 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. And he just loves to push the ball down the field. So if you have receivers like a J.J., you know, an Addison, 
you know, those, it would be really hard for me not to, to take a guy like Penix. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, his injury concerns are going to play a huge factor in where he gets drafted. You know, he had four straight seasons where he had season-ending ending injuries, um, two of them being uh, shoulder injuries and two of them being ACL. So mm-hmm. the fact that he's already had two ACL injuries and he's only 23 years old is definitely scary, you know, especially taking him in the first round. But I think, you know, going back to the national championship game, if you just, you know, pretend like that never happened, you know, the game before that, he, he lit it up, and I thought, you know, man, this guy looks like a top-five pick. Yeah. So a lot of people are kind of going back to that national championship game where he laid an egg, and, you know, they're starting to bring up their, his injury past a little more. So, you know, he might be a guy that falls to round two, but, you know, I would take him in the first round. I really would. I'm a huge Michael Penix fan. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of him too, and he's actually rated number five for me. I'm, gonna, sure, sure. I'm not going to say who's my number four right now, but, you know, yeah, I do – you, I think you hit the you know nail right on the head, and that is just how he played versus Texas. If you went back to that after that game, I think everyone was talking about him as being maybe a potential top 15 pick, first-round pick, yeah. no matter what. Then yep. in that game, one thing that kind of stood out is when he was pressured, and Michigan had just unrelentless pressure that whole football game. You know, his offensive line just couldn't, they just were getting bullied that whole game. But when he was pressured, he was missing, he was consistently missing throws down the field that we haven't seen before. So I think that is one knock on him is how he can maybe develop and progress in when he's being pressured to maybe maintain more in the pocket and maintain the accuracy. But I mean, if you're looking for a deep ball thrower, I think he's the best in the draft. You know, and I'm saying that I think he's has a better deep ball than Caleb Williams. Yeah, and that really showed with uh, him and Ro- Roma Dunze, um, which he's going to be a top ten pick m- most likely. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I do agree with that. I mean, if you give Penix time, he's going to absolutely dice you up. And uh, out of the top five quarterbacks that we have on our list here, he's definitely the least mobile. Um, he kind of showed that he was a little mobile, you know, before his injuries. But since his two ACL injuries, he's kind of just a sitting duck in that pocket. Yeah, he can move a little bit. You know, he's not he's not a Peyton Manning yeah. or anything in that yeah, pocket. He can sure. move a little bit, but I mean, he's not gonna you know escape out of the pocket like a Caleb, a Drake May, Jaden, or even like a JJ McCarthy. Yeah. So that's also a concern. He's at the next level. He is a strictly uh, a, a pocket passer. Yeah, for sure. You know, he's not going to. You know, he needs a lane to take off, and he's not gonna like hit a spin move and get off to the right or left and scramble that. He needs that lane Absolutely. to hit and just go for it. Because he's done that this season. You see that on his tape, too. But, man, yeah, I, yep. I don't want to knock his season because that was one of the most impressive seasons I've seen out of a quarterback in a while. Unless, you know, yep. you're talking about Caleb Williams last season. But, yeah, man, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, I would be – I would not be mad if the Vikings decided to take him. If they did take him, though, I would hope we maybe for, could find a way to – move back up into the first round and go a defensive player at 11. But like yep. I said before, if he's your guy, you got to take him because you just don't know if someone behind you is going to take him. Yeah, exactly. And maybe a team like Denver kind of loses out on like a J.J. McCarthy. Maybe he goes top 10. And then, the you know, the the Broncos just have to sit there at 12 and, and take a guy like Penix. So we'll see what happens. But that's the thing. Like if you love Penix, you take him at 11 – um, if you're kind of wishy-washy on him, 
and you want to trade back in the first round to take him, maybe you know you shouldn't take him at all because yeah, you know, he doesn't. You're not. He's not for sure. He's not for surely your guy going forward. Yeah, for sure. And I think he, you know, he's probably going to be more of that. Maybe he. I don't think you bring him in and let him sit a year. I think he's no. I don't be think playing so right away. You know. Yeah, I think so. so too. Especially with him, you're gonna you know he's gonna be 24, so. I think he'll play as a rookie for sure. Yeah. Well, the Vikes do move on from Kirk, and they're somehow not able to get my number four player, and that is J.J. McCarthy. I definitely think Penix could be an option for us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's hear what you have to say about uh, J.J. Yeah, so, you know, if you were to listen back on episode four, we did our mock draft, and I mocked J.J. at number 11, which I thought at the time was pretty high for him. And now this past week, the narrative has kind of switched even more, and I'm seeing him taken more in the top 10 even before the Vikings. So he might not yeah, even sure. be there now at that 11th pick. His stock is kind of really rising now in this draft process. So, you know, obviously mocks, we know that they are not ac- always accurate. And obviously if at the end of the draft we look back at mocks and – you know, most guys aren't taken. They're supposed to be taken. Some people can do a nice job of hitting on the picks. But, you know, I just really love his his age. You know, he's a young kid. He He's 6'3". You know, he's 202 pounds, so he can maybe add a little more weight on his frame. But he definitely has some traits that I like. You know, athleticism. He's got an arm talent. He's got an ability to throw on the run. You know, one thing he needs to continue to work on and maybe, you know, a coach like KOC or somewhere else can kind of develop him as being more consistent and kind of unlocking that with him. But he's definitely a guy I don't think he's going to go in and start year one. He needs to sit and develop. I think if you rush him, it's not going to work. I think he's going to end up failing. So he definitely needs to sit and develop, you know, get a bridge quarterback, and then hopefully in year two of his in year two of his rookie contract he's ready to roll um in on the team that he's on yeah and you you hit it right on the head you like if you take jj you have to do exactly what the the packers have done with all their quarterbacks you have to you have to let him sit and at least sit for a year or two i mean i just don't think that he's ready um it could be a lot like the zach wilson situation you know you play him he's just not ready he's too young I mean, I just, if you have a veteran quarterback and you go out there and get a guy like Ryan Tannehill or a Minshew, like we talked about, then Mm -hmm. it's a great situation. He can sit and learn. And even if he sits and and learns for half a season, you know, I think that would be a lot better than just going out there and playing him as a rookie. Um, He only threw for 300 yards once this past season. Yeah. Obviously, the Michigan were run heavy. They would run the ball, you know, 40-plus times usually almost every game. And he's a guy that you really have to go back and watch the tape on him and kind of break him down that way. Because when, like when I was watching the games live, I'm thinking, man, there's no way that this guy's a first round pick. There's no way. Yeah. But if you go back and you break down play by play and you kind of see the, the arm talent that he has and just the, just the rawness of him. You're like, okay, yeah. maybe there's something there. You know, maybe there's yep. something there. And then Jim Harbaugh comes out and says, like, you know, he's the best quarterback since Andrew Luck, and he thinks he should be the number one. So I think teams kind of buy into the, buy into that a little bit too. 
But, yeah. I mean, going back and talking about Penix, I mean, if you look at J.J. Uh, McCarthy's national championship game, you know, he only threw for 140 yards and only completed on 55% of his passes. So he laid an egg in the national championship too. He just had, a you know, a great defense and a good enough running game to get that W. Yeah, for sure. And, like, I've talked to you, or I've spoken with or about this with you before in the past, and, you know, I was kind of in the same boat where I was never really wowed by him watching yeah. him play. He never had that moment. I was like, wow. But that's because the consistency throughout the game wasn't there. Yeah, you exactly. definitely going back and looking at some plays, there are some wow plays, you know, but he yeah. just wasn't consistent enough for me at the time to maybe consider him at this point at 11. But now as I've kind of had some time to digest a little more and just looking at some of the traits that he does and things that he does well, well, he could definitely be that perfect quarterback, like we said, to just sit and develop. And he could maybe be a really good quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, and it's crazy. There's always seems like there's one quarterback after the season's done that just kind of climbs up the boards that teams and the media kind of fall in love with. Fall in love with. I mean, I even saw on on Twitter or X that people are comparing him to Joe Burrow. Okay, I'm just like, man, that's wow, that's a little steep to me. Like, if if I had to put a comparison on him, I kind of thought about this a little bit. He kind of reminds me of a little more athletic Baker Mayfield. Okay, you know, he kind of like he. I think JJ has a, you know, I think he weighs like 205 pounds. So he has a smaller frame. Yeah. But the arm talent is probably pretty similar to Baker's. You know, I don't think JJ is going to ever come in the NFL and be a top five quarterback. I just don't see it. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, I've, I've been wrong before. Maybe he'll prove me wrong. I just don't see it. But I think he can be like a Baker Mayfield at the next level. You know, obviously, okay. Baker Mayfield this past year, you know, he played like a top 10 quarterback and now he's going to get paid probably 30 plus mil you know, by the Buccaneers or another team. So, yeah. you know, J.J. could eventually be that, but I just think that he has to sit, learn a little bit, and then uh, take the training wheels off and just let him rip. Yeah, one thing I would just say, like, in comparison to Baker Mayfield, um, is his height is a little, you know, he's a little taller than Baker. He's a little more lanky, but um, yep. play-wise, yeah, I can see how you're saying that, how, you know, you might, Baker Mayfield has some good traits, but, he just, same thing, he always struggled with that consistency until this year. And, hey, he had some nice weapons in Cleveland, and this year he had some really nice weapons in um, Tampa, too. Obviously, he wasn't in Cleveland last year. He kind of bounced around a couple different teams and ended up with the Rams, I know, at one point, too. But, yeah, well, I guess we'll just see what happens. And, yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm just excited to see what he can do at the Combine. I think that will you know, kind of tell us a little more too, if he goes in there and has a tremendous day that maybe people are going to really see his stock continue to rise up. So, yeah. And, and if he did go to a team like the Vikings, I mean, obviously with those weapons, man, when you, when you have weapons like that, I mean, your, your learning curve is a lot, lot less. I don't know how to put, yeah. I guess I'm not saying that right, but you know what I mean? It's just, when you have guys like J.J. Addison, T.J. Hawkinson, if you go out there and get a good running back, I mean, maybe you can play a lot sooner than, you know, than than I think because those weapons kind of will carry you a lot further than than other teams' weapons would. Yeah, just get the ball to those guys and let them go to work. Yeah, for sure. And another thing, comparing him to Baker, I think he's, he's going to run a lot faster than Baker. I think Baker was like a 4'8 guy. Okay. I think J.J., I mean, J.J. does have the athletic, athleticism. 
Yeah. I think JJ is going to be like a four or five guy. So he'll be, he'll be pretty quick. Okay. Who was your fifth player? Uh, JJ was. Is it was JJ? Okay. Yep. It was Just JJ. Just wanted yep, to make yep. sure. Yep. I think, I think the drop off after those five guys is, is pretty significant to me at yep. least. Yeah, I agree too. You know, I'm not a huge fan of Bo Nix. Um, I'm not either. Not at all. One guy, I'm just going to go back to this, and you probably know who I'm about to say right now, and I know that you uh, have kind of given me some slack over the last couple of years for thinking this, but I'm not saying he's going to be a top round or top quarterback in this draft class, but one guy just to keep an eye on is, I think, Spencer Rattler out of, North Car- out of South Carolina. Obviously, he was in Oklahoma. He really struggled there. Caleb Williams came in, took his spot. We know what happened after that. Lincoln Riley left for USC. He took Caleb Williams with him. Caleb Williams wins the Heisman that next year. But, man, if you go back to the Senior Bowl, and just before that, too, like he's actually been pretty consistent, and he has a pretty good arm. And I think he could be a guy that maybe teams would take a shot at just to develop. And you never know. He could develop into a starting quarterback in the NFL, I think. Yeah, and, and he, I mean, I've seen a lot of things on Twitter and X that, you know, people are kind of talking, you know, he's kind of in the boat, same with the Bo Nicks, like where Spencer could be like a round two or like a, you know, a day two guy, round two, mm-hmm. round three, which, I mean, I mean, in my opinion, blows my mind because I watched a lot of Spencer Rattler <laughs> games and I'm thinking, dude, there ain't no way this guy can play at the yeah. next level. I mean, obviously he had a, his uh, freshman year at Oklahoma, I believe yeah. was the COVID year, and he put up good numbers because he was pretty hyped out of high school. Yeah, you know, I think he was, was he uh, a, he wasn't the number one quarterback coming out, was he? Yeah, he yeah he was a five star recruit, so like he was pretty hyped. Yeah. And but just the last couple of years, I mean, he likes to throw his interceptions. Yeah, I don't know if he's ever thrown for more than like thirty five hundred yards in a season. So okay. we'll see. I mean, yeah, he's, I I know he's a, he's got a smaller frame too. I think he's like six foot two hundred pounds or six foot two hundred five. So he's kind of a smaller quarterback too. But yeah. it's always those guys that just kind of randomly climb up the board. And honestly, yeah. it would not surprise me one bit if he was a day two guy. And yeah. honestly, one. Well, we've seen in the past. You know, I'm not comparing him to this player, but when Dak Prescott came out of the draft or came into the draft, I don't think a lot of teams thought or people thought he was going to be as good as he is right now. So I definitely think, you know, teams are going to like some of those traits. Like I said, he's got a pretty good arm and he has the mobility in the pocket. So that's two things that you can work with. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, for sure. And I think overall this, you know, this, this top, the top end of the quarterback class is, is very strong. You know what the, the, the top five guys that we named, but after that, I mean, maybe a team like Spencer more than both. So yeah. we'll we'll see what happens, but I think the drop off after these top guys or top five guys is very significant, and would not surprise me one bit if a team went out there and drafted Spencer day two and let him sit for a couple of years, and you know maybe in the preseason he impresses and eventually takes over a starting gig. Yeah, for sure. Which quarterback class do you like better this year or last year? Ooh, God, it's a. I'm gonna say this year. Okay. I think especially those top three quarterbacks with Drake May, Jaden Daniels, Caleb Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just think all you can't go wrong with any three of those guys. Yeah, in my it's in my opinion, I think it's very hard. I just don't see Caleb being a bust. I don't. I don't know how. Even if he just sat in the pocket and passed, 
I think he's an, an elite guy inside the pocket and outside the pocket. Jane Daniels' athleticism is going to carry him just as far as, you know, anyone in this draft class. And mm-hmm. then Drake May, when it's all said and done, you know, five to eight years from now, he might end up being the best quarterback out of this entire class. Yeah. So really I really, crazy. really love this draft class. But how about you? You know what? I go back and, man, last year's class was pretty impressive. You know, we've seen Richardson, what he did before he got injured. He was looking like a potential rookie of the year candidate. And then Stroud, I think he's going to be a superstar quarterback for years and years to come. Obviously, yep. Bryce Young, we don't know what's going to happen with him. Uh, the Panthers had a pretty bad roster overall. And we'll see if he can maybe take a step in year two. When I was watching, he threw a lot of balls to the sideline, and they're just high all the time. Yeah. Yep. Like, just very hesitant. I think kind of playing a little scared, too, back there. But before... I'm going to ask you this before I say if I like this class better or not. I wanted to ask you, um, do you think this class is probably the best class in the last five years? If we go back, I think it was the 20. So we had 2022 last year or 2023 last year. 2022, that was Pickett, right? Yep, correct. Okay, what was 2021? That was like trying to think was that 2021 yeah 2021 was trevor lawrence and those guys okay and then so do you think this class is even better than that class god that's a great question i really liked trevor lawrence coming out and even guys like trey lance i like trey lance and then justin fields i mean justin fields is is still right now my favorite player in the entire nfl but Mm -hmm. trevor lawrence was so hyped up but I still think that Caleb Williams is a better prospect than Trevor Lawrence was. Yeah. So I would say, yes, I think this is the best draft class quarterback-wise that we've seen in at least five years. Yep, I agree. That's my answer, yeah. too. So yep. I think this is a special class. And I think this class is better than next year, too, by the way. I don't. I like I do next too, year's sure. class, yes. and I yes. think we're going to see some guys rise up. But, man, this class right now is looking very, very special. And like I yep. said before in previous episodes – I think this could be a historic quarterback class. Yeah, I think, you know, five to eight years from now, we're going to look back to this class and we're not going to believe that, you know, all these quarterbacks were all in the same draft. And we're going to see, I mean, we could see five quarterbacks go in the first round this year. And I think all five quarterbacks have the potential to be all pro level quarterbacks. I really honestly believe that. Yeah, for sure. Well, moving on to our next topic, man, this next topic just makes me like a little kid on Christmas morning, man, because I am so pumped and I'm so excited about this next topic. Yes, me too. NCAA football is back. Let's go. This summer. Let's go, dude. It's been 10 years. We've been waiting 10 years for this, man. And going back is, you know, going back to my childhood, every year I would get NCAA in July, and then you get Madden in August, and I would always play the college games more than I would play Madden. And I would play Madden, I would put so many hours into Madden, but I would always go back to NCAA. I'm so happy that we're finally getting it back, and obviously there's been a lot of rumors of, is it actually happening? Well, EA Sports just dropped a little trailer about a week ago, and they finally confirmed that we'll get more details here in May, but dude, it's finally back. It's been a long time coming, man. I'm pumped. So no more of this going back to 2024 or the 2014 NCAA football and having to play on my Xbox 360. <laughs> so 
I'm just yeah. I know like you I said, do that I'm, every year too. I do. <laughs> Uh, man, I feel I'm happy for those people that put out those rosters for the current year every year. Now they don't have to worry about that. But, man, yeah, yeah I'm just so excited. I can't wait. I hope it lives up to the hype. I think no matter what, I think the Dynasty mode is going to be fantastic. I can't wait to just dive into it and take my Golden Golfers to multiple back-to-back national championships. So Dude, for we'll see sure. what happens. But, and and all the rumors going around, they're saying that college day, game day is going to be in there. They said yeah. that, you know, the player likenesses is going to be in the game. So we should get, you know, like Shador Sanders, Travis Hunter, all those top guys, um, Oliver Gordon from Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. All those guys should mm-hmm. be in the game. No, I highly doubt they're going to be face scanned. But, I mean, yeah. come on, beggars can't be choosers here. Yeah, We're finally exactly, getting the yeah. game back. And another big thing for me is they they announced a bunch of uh, FCS teams will be in the game, which, you know, even going back to the 360 days, we didn't have that. We haven't had that since the PS2 days. And I mm-hmm. always like to pick the absolute worst team in the game. I mean, it was kind of funny because they would have, like, a couple bleachers on each side of the field, and you'd play in front of, like, 50 people. And yeah. <laughs> you try, try to turn them into just a powerhouse, you know, trying to get the number one recruit in the nation and stuff. So the fact that that's going to be in the game – Plus, obviously, I think Madden is one of the better-looking sports games out there right now. So if the college football game kind of just looks like Madden, I mean, dude, we're in for a treat. I'm hoping, you know, at the FCS schools that you can take them over and try to make them or try to take the jump to the FBS and build them up that way. Because, man, I'm really hoping, like, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, the – Grizz, uh, Montana Grizz. Montana Grizz, yep. All right, yep. man, because I think, you know, I work with a co-worker actually at work. He's from Montana. He's a big Grizz fan, so shout out to you if you're listening. But, man, I, he went to a game last year, and that field they have there is gorgeous with the mountains. Probably yes. one of the best spectacle or football stadiums I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, and it's kind of funny that you brought that up because I've never – I didn't even know Montana had a football team. But uh, kind of switching topics here, Sean O'Malley, the UFC Bantamweight champion in the world, I follow him closely, and he's from Montana. And this past football season, he um, shot a little vlog of him going back to Montana, going in the locker room. You know, you're you're able to see the field and stuff. And, dude, you're 100% right. That is the most beautiful backdrop of a football field that you'll ever see. It's so – it's just gorgeous. Yeah, big sky country, man. It would be fun to go out there for a game, that's for sure. Dude, for sure. So yeah, I, I just can't believe that we're we're actually getting college football in a handful of months. So if you're a video game fan and a football fan, you know, you guys definitely have to pick it up because it's gonna be awesome. Yep, for sure. I think what is it supposed to be dropping maybe in July? Yeah, yep. All the rumors are July. It sounds like a big reveal is gonna come out in May. And uh I'm assuming the cover athlete and all that good stuff will be re- revealed in May too. So but real quick, um, who's your guest for cover athlete? Oh man. I go back between a player and a coach, and I'm going to say a coach, and I say this because he's a legendary coach, and that's Nick Saban. You know, retired this okay. year. Yep. I think he's going to be a guy on the cover. That's just my prediction. How about you? Yeah, I'm going to go with the coach, too, and I'm actually hoping this is who it's going to be, but I'm hoping Deion Sanders. I Obviously, I'm really high in the Colorado. I'm definitely on the bandwagon there, but if you put Deion Sanders – prime time on the cover of uh, NCAA football, dude, I might have to take time off work because I'm going to spend so much time (laughs) on that game. 
if they have Deion Sanders scan on the sideline, dude, I don't know if I'll pick another team. I might just have to roll with Colorado all the way through. Yeah. I'm guessing you can do multiple teams and yeah, definitely yeah, you should be able to. And definitely Colorado. So, but yeah, man, yeah, that'll be sure. awesome. And, you know, just, just to add a little thing in there, um, you know, Zach, I don't have to worry about taking that time off from the work. So that's kind of built into my I know, being a dude, teacher. You are a so. lucky dog. You are a lucky dog. But I might just have to quit my job, dude. I live in your basement. <laughs> well, you know, just say, like saying that, though, it is a pretty busy. It'll be a busy summer for me, though. Um, just to kind of tie in our, you know, the name of our podcast here, Nap Time Sports. So yeah. Zach and I are both dads. I have a four-month-old daughter, uh, and Zach has a son. Zach, how old is uh, Z now? Is he he'll, three, he'll be four? four? Yep, he'll be four in May, so he's almost four. Okay. Yeah. And you have uh, another one on the way. I do, and it's kind of funny because the due date of the new one is uh, May. The due date's actually a couple days after uh, my son's birthday, so that'll be interesting to say the least. I'm kind of hoping that they're not born on the same day, but uh, we're definitely cutting it close. Yeah. So, Zach, I think this would be the perfect time to, you know, share your story about your your son. Um, you know, I thought it was very hysterical. Maybe you can just talk about, give a little background knowledge first of what's going on with your man cave. Yeah. So, in my man cave, I have... They used so back in the day they used to make little football figures. They're about six inches. They're called McFarland football figures. And I have probably two hundred to two hundred and fifty plus of these figures all over the man cave. I'm I'm talking on the walls, on on entertainment centers, all over the place. And my son, I only have one Chiefs player in my out of two hundred plus figures, I only have one Chiefs player. And that Chiefs player is Priest Holmes. He's the only Chiefs pay- player in franchise history that gets a pass for me. I loved Priest Holmes. Early 2000s, he's my favorite running back. And he's the only Chiefs player I have in my man cave. And my son, I always try to say what's our favorite team. I always try to have him, you know, say Raiders. But he always says red team, and he points to the Chiefs player. And <laughs> to this day, dude, he says it. Like, even when the Super Bowl is on, I'm like, who are you cheering for? And I'm trying to get him to say Raiders. Obviously, the Raiders weren't playing, but I'm still trying to get him to say Raiders. And he always says red team, and he points to the Chiefs guy. So so now my yeah, now my son sleeps in the cold garage until he changes his mind. <laughs> but but uh no, just kidding. But but yeah, he's I don't know what we're gonna have to do, but as of right now, his favorite team is the Chiefs. So that makes me very, very ill. But uh but yeah, dude, it's uh, it's not good. I don't know what I'm gonna do, but something's gotta change. <laughs> well, hopefully, you know, if he doesn't like the Raiders, I bet he'll like the Raiders growing up. But man, hopefully, yeah. he can be a little Viking fan too, because that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, he he could like any other team. I mean, even I don't like I don't care if he likes the Broncos, the Chargers, the Packers, but just don't like the Chiefs. You know, we we can't like yeah. the Chiefs in our household, so. The yeah, fact that sure. his favorite team right now, he's only three, but yeah, his favorite team right now is the red team, the Chiefs. So, yeah, not good. It's uh, it's definitely a popular team amongst the kids. So, absolutely. But, well, yeah, uh, you know, thank you, everyone. You know, if we you got to this point of show, thank you for listening and supporting us. Uh, we're really enjoying doing our podcast, and we hope you're enjoying too. Yeah, thanks again. If you guys listen. 
to this point. And uh, don't forget to hit those bell icons and get notified when new episodes drop. Go Raiders. Skull Vikes. Thank you for listening to our episode. Be sure to give us a follow on Instagram and X at Naptime Sports Talk Podcast for content related to the pod. Thank you for the support.